0: Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, welcome to Authentic Church. If you're new here, you know, we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love people, and live authentic. And our vision is is that every time we gather together and every person that comes through these doors has an encounter with God that they find community and really that they're released to fill the call of God on their lives. Everybody in this room's got gift, different callings and giftings and purpose that's all over you. It was it was put inside of you. God fashioned you. You know, you might have been a surprise to your parents, <laughs> but hey, you are no accident. God had a purpose and a plan for your life. And every person has a purpose, and we've been going through this series that we titled "Visioneering," and um, and it's really about engineering our lives around a God-sized vision. And it's and it's the from the from the framework that God has a vision for your life, but God has something that He's doing in this earth, and the vision for your life really fits into His plan. It's not you have a vision and He fits into our plans, and that's where people get it mixed up. And so we've really honed in on that, and we've been looking for the last few weeks. We've been uh, dissecting the life of Joseph, poor guy. Uh, We've been looking at him under a microscope and the things that went right and the things that didn't go so right. And we've been looking at his life, and some of you know the story of Joseph. Uh, he was uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, horrible brothers. And, uh, and then, uh, then uh, he ends up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife comes on to the guy. He says, I didn't do it, and he didn't, but he still gets thrown into prison, spends time in prison 13 years, and then finally ends up uh, in the palace. And it's a long story, but between the moment that he had his dream and his destiny, a lot transpired. And in every one of our lives, there's going to be a series of tests that every vision that God gives you and every visionary, that's you and me, will go through going from our dream to really our destiny. So Joseph was a a young, good-looking kid at 17, but then you fast forward in his life, and he's the second most powerful man in the world at that time. A lot transpired, there was a series of tests that helped to shape his character so that he would have the character to sustain the gifts and the blessings on his life. You know, the world is all about recognizing talents, it's all about recognizing gifts, God's all about recognizing character. And I will tell you this, if you will seek him, if you will put him first and trust him to promote you in due time, he'll promote you. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, I feel like I got a vision, I don't know how the pieces come together, My prayer is by the end of today that you have just another nugget, another step in the process of your journey with God that he's gonna download some things to you. So I like to tell you this just straight out of the gates. Uh, If you wanna take notes on your phone, that's totally cool. It's good to use your phones in church if you're taking notes, not watching the score of the games and stuff like that. But if you're taking notes, take some notes or there's the bulletin that you were given maybe when you walked in here. But you can take some notes with us. We're gonna jump into um, some text. The area that we're in, We're going through this life of Joseph. And and the first test Joseph went through was the, the pride test, right? He was all about him and me and my dream and how awesome I'm gonna be and you guys are gonna bow down to me, right? And his brothers didn't like that. So the pride test... Is one of the tests that we'll all go through. And then Joseph ended up in the pit. And the second test was the pit test. And the pit test but the pit test is all about us getting to a place where we realize I can't do anything without you, Lord. It's a place where it's like, you, you, you told me you were gonna bring me there, but Lord, I'm so far from there now. And it's getting that right relationship and that vertical alignment with God and what he's doing. So calling out on on Jesus. Then the, the next test after that we talked about was the steward, the stewardship test. And the stewardship test is when Joseph gets brought into Potiphar's house and he was so good and so faithful in all the little areas, his faithfulness led him to promotion and he was the second most powerful person in Potiphar's house. And this started a trend for Joseph. And, and so Potiphar, and we talked about uh, prosperity and biblical prosperity. And, and, and by the way, the word prosperity is not a bad word okay? It's actually a God word. God talks about it a lot. He mentions it 63 times in the Old Testament, that he wants to prosper you, he wants to bless you, because he's a good father. And and how many of you that have kids, or any of you that want to be kids, or how many of you are a kid, you would really like it if your parents blessed you, right? God wants to bless his children. He wants to bless you, but if the blessings that he wants to give you are going to take you out of his will, he's going to work some things out and have you lap that mountain maybe one more time. But the good news with God is it's not pass-fail. You just go retake the test again. The goal is that you just retake that test a few times, though, and then you move, you move past it. So we talked about the key to biblical prosperity last week. The, pre, the key to biblical prosperity is really having the presence of the Lord in our lives. That's the, what Moses called the differentiator. That's, that's the great difference maker in my life. He said, Lord, I don't want to go if your presence doesn't go with me. That's the only thing that separates me from the other people. That's the only separate thing that separates our gathering from some other gathering. Church is not a place where I just physically show up, sing some songs, hear a word, and go home. It's a place where I spiritually show up, and you're showing up for me, and I'm showing up for you, and you're showing up for that person, and we're a family, all right? And so it's different, right? And that's the, the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God separates us from the others. Now, the key to having the presence of the Lord in our lives is simply obedience, living according to what the Bible says, the way God laid it out, and listening His voice, and he, whatever He tells you to do, we just obey it. I always wanted, when I got saved, I just wanted to be that crazy guy where God could just like whisper to, you know, to the angels at heaven and go, guys, if you can't get anybody else to do it, just tell Jeff, he'll go do it. Like he's crazy enough to obey me. Like I wanted to be that guy, right? Where God could just whisper to me and I'd be like, I'm on it, Lord. You're like, let's do it, right? The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Now, how do you get obedience? Like I wanna obey, but how do I obey? Obedience comes through faith. And what's the key to faith? The key to having faith is hearing the word of God. It's not just hearing the word on a Sunday morning. It's like eating the word. I don't just read the word, man. I want to study the word. I want to understand what it's telling me, how it's speaking to me, my life, my family, my job, my situation. I'm going to read the logos until I get that rhema that's like a dart to the heart that God says, this is for you, son, this morning as you're spending time in my quiet time. This is for you. And so that's, that's the key. So we talked about that last week, and really prosperity in the Hebrew, the visual is that God is, prosperity means literally in the Hebrew, to push you forward. So he wants to literally push you forward where you're walking along and it's like, okay, God, I'll take that next step. And his promotion comes and he prospers you and it's like, okay, God, I'll take that. God is literally wanting to push you as his son and his daughter. He wants to push you forward into your destiny and your plan because he created you with a purpose. So we're going to today we're going to talk about the next step that Joseph went through, the next test. And that was the purity test. And now I want to paint the picture for you. Joseph has been sold into slavery and he's working in Potiphar's house. He's not the destiny, the dream that God told him he was going to have. It does not look like that is coming. Through. <laughs> it's like I think I must have, It must have just been the pizza I ate, right? He's having that moment with God. It's not happening. It's not happening, Lord. Uh, and I'm not married. It's like if he if he would have not been sold, he probably would have been married by this time, and had a wife and been able to enjoy all the married stuff. Yesterday we had an awesome opportunity. It was really an honor of marrying uh, performing the ceremony for the marriage of John and Rose Crana. And um, John and Rose are involved in our church here, and it was beautiful. it was incredible. And it was just this holy moment, this holy union. And, and any time that I've been honored to officiate a wedding, like for me, it's precious, because I'm like, this, this is a front row seat at, at the biggest moment of their lives. You know what I mean? And, 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 and so it was just an honor, and it was so beautiful to see what God did in the union of them. And so here's Joseph. He's not getting married. He's not allowed to meet any women because he's a slave in the house of Potiphar, right? And I don't know if there was any other uh, girls that were part of the servants, but uh, there's nothing about Joseph dating, all right? He's got like no dates, no, no, no likes on his dating app, nothing, okay? And he's probably wondering, like, what am I doing? And Joseph is sitting there one day, and Potiphar's wife comes on to him. And she wants to give him the sugar. She wants to give him the goods, okay? And and he denies it. And I just want you to think, I mean, men, he's a single man. Life looks like it's in the hole. Like it's not getting better anytime soon. I'm a slave in this dude's house. And this woman's coming onto me. But he pushes back. And I want to show us this. So we're going to talk today about purity. So I just want to encourage us to lean in. If you start to sweat in the middle of the service as I'm sharing, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> If you're married taking notes, just maybe take a little private note you know, on the side there. But I, I want to I preface the message today with, with uh, Paul's words out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Paul said this. He says, hey, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure, okay? Everybody in this room, apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ, okay, we're, we're, we're all just dirtbags, okay, everybody, okay? So as we go through and we talk about purity today, we're looking at it through that lens that because of Jesus, okay, his blood has washed me clean, he's made me new, okay? But I, wanna, I want us to lean into this um, as a pastor I'm lovingly encourage you to lean into this, because I think this is actually one of the most important tests that we'll go through. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the word. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for moving in the, the time of worship and praise, and it doesn't stop there. it continues through the preaching of the Word. God. Thank you, Father. God, we just ask that you would speak to us through the scriptures and the word today. Lord, we didn't come to hear man speak. Every one of us came to hear you speak. So God, we just pray that you would come and speak. We're listening. We wanna receive from you all that you have for us today in this time together. So God, give us eyes to see something we never saw before. Give us ears to hear your voice. Give us minds that can understand and give us hearts to believe that we take hold in faith of your word for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis 39. Genesis 39, we're gonna pick it up at verse six. It says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So he's a good-looking kid, stud. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, cast longing eyes on Joseph. I want you to remember that. She cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master wife, look at Joseph's words. Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Purity. Verse 10, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day, right, that line, it just prowls around, just waiting for the perfect time to strike, right? As she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her, but, now here it comes, it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, none of the men were in the house. Little tip, marriage tip, men, never be alone with a woman. <laughs> don't, spouses, don't be alone in the presence of the opposite sex without somebody else there, okay? But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house was inside, And there she is. She caught him by his garment. She says, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. He ran from immorality. And this is congruent for what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Paul says, flee sexual immorality. Okay, he doesn't say like that that picture of flee sexual immorality. It's not let's, you know, let's just kind of like, Oh, it's, it's okay. You know, you don't want to flirt with sexual immorality. He says flee sexual immorality. And there's a number of lies that the devil uses when it comes to sexual immorality. And the first lie is that it only will affect you. That if you're sexually immoral, it's just going to affect you. It's not going to hurt anybody else. It's just you. Nobody sees that. Nobody sees what you're doing. Nobody heard that. Nobody saw how you were flirting with that person. And that's a lie. Impurity, point number one, impurity affects your family and your friends impurity affects your family and friends david fell morally in uh, was it second samuel 11 and then his kids fell in second samuel 13 why it says the iniquities of the father are passed down it doesn't say the iniquities of the mother it says the iniquities of the father are passed down we're going to get into a little bit today, iniquities, transgression, sin, what all that stuff is. Because a lot of times we read that in the Bible and we're like, what's a transgression? What's a sin? What's an iniquity? And they're all sin. We're just going to unpack that a little bit today. Another lie is that as long as you don't actually follow through with the act, that it's okay. Like as long as you don't actually have sex with that person, it's totally cool to flirt with them if you're married. And it's not cool. <laughs> right? It's it's really not cool. Uh, it's, it's just the beginning. So there's transgressions. And then there's iniquities. Let me read this out of Psalms 103, verse 10 through 12. It says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as heavens are high above the earth, so great his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as from the east, from the west, he removed our transgressions from us. So there's this difference between iniquities and transgressions. Both are sin, okay? So iniquities, iniquity is internal. It's an inward bent. It's an inward motivation. That's why where it says that the iniquities were passed down from the fathers, uh, where it talks about that throughout the generation, it says that 10 times in the Old Testament. When it's talking about it, it's that you're born into sin, and that sin has kind of a bent. You kind of have a bent, a way that you lean. Paul says, what's the sin that so easily besets you? Whatever that sin is, that weight Let's throw that thing off and pursue after all that God has for us. So there's, there's this iniquity, which is internal. The transgression is external. Uh, iniquity would be anger. Do not sin in your anger. Then as you're filling that out, that's the transgression. Iniquity would be you, you lust. The transgression would be adultery. Does that make sense? So iniquity is internal, transgression is external. Iniquity is the attitude, transgression is the action. So iniquity is the inward, transgression is the outward. If you, if you don't deal with sin in your heart, things that you're meditating on, if you don't deal with it at some point, it'll deal with you. And it'll cost you. And, and, and I'm delivering this message from a heart of compassion because I've been there. Some of you know my story. Um, When I was 19 years old, I grew up in a great family, great Catholic family, and um, recovering Catholic. Uh, Awesome, awesome family, great parents. But when I was five years old, I was exposed to pornography. And that awakened an appetite for something that should never have been awakened. And that appetite grew, and then when I got into my teen years, and suddenly when I'm 19 years old, I'm living a life in secret that nobody knows about, and my girlfriend gets pregnant. Big-time shock to a Catholic family 25 years ago. So I'm 20 years old, and my daughter is born, and her birth really led me to Christ, <laughs> believe it or not, because I didn't want to be a deadbeat dad, you know? And, and so I, I started this process, and, and through this, God healed me. So I, I'm speaking to you today today. Um, It's as if somebody was an alcoholic and they just can't go into bars anymore, right? I'm speaking to you today from a guy that's been set free from something, okay? And so I just want to share some things. And from a pastor's heart, I and many of you have seen too many marriages and incredible people that were once awesome men and women of God. I've seen them crash and burn. And it's so painful to watch. I mean, you just you know, open the news, and it seems like every week there's another scandal that comes out about somebody doing something, and even in the church. And it's sad. And, and my hope, my prayer, my job description as a pastor is to prepare you, equip you, so that you run the race strong and that you finish strong, that you don't trip and fall. And, and every, I'm not to say that none of us will have shortcomings and falls. We all, okay, all men have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark, that's what sin is. It's like if you're an archer and you're aiming at the target and you just missed it to the side, okay? That's, sin is you just missed the mark, okay? Now, some people say, well, isn't, isn't sexual sin and, and impurity? Is that the, that's just the same as all sin. No, it's not. That's a lie. The, that's another lie of the devil in the church. It's not the same as any other sin. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to unpack that. Now, forgiven is forgiven as the same? Yes. The blood of Jesus covers that sin, no different than lying, no different than outbursts of anger, no different than using the Lord's name in vain, no different than murder. Yes, yes, yes. But how many would agree sexual sin has greater ramifications than if I get angry and punch the wall? Right? There's greater ramifications for that sin than the others, right? Why is that? Why, what is, it? why is it that sin God is so strict on in the word, and it's not because he's a prude. (laughs) He's strict on it because he loves you, and he wants to bless you, and he knows what that will do to your life. And we know, mentally, we know where that's going to go, and we don't want to go there, but sometimes in the moment of weakness, in that iniquity, that bent, we fall. And today you're going to get back up. If that's you, if you've fallen in that area, today you're going to get back up. At the end of the service today, we're going to have a time of communion. And then after communion, we actually have the honor of baptizing a new member of our family, a gentleman, Hector, that's sitting in the back. And so he's going to be baptized at the end of service today. And in the course of this message, if you're feeling a prompting from the Holy Spirit to be baptized, you'll know it because your heart starts to palpitate and you begin to sweat. That's the Holy Spirit again, okay? <laughs> so, and if you want to be baptized, we got shirts for you, man, and I, we have towels for you, or I'll give you my shirt, okay? Well, we would be honored to do that, walk with you today. But I'm passionate about this because I want to I see you living a life that's blessed and fulfilled. And I just know this trips you up. Isaiah 53 says this. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Okay, now remember, transgression is an outward. Iniquity is an inward. So look at this closely. This is Isaiah, and he's prophesying about Jesus and the sacrifice he was going to pay, which, by the way, he paid for it all, he was wounded, that's external, right? That's external bleeding for our transgressions, external. He was bruised, ah, internal. That's internal bleeding. When you're bruised, a bruise is basically internal bleeding, right? So he was bruised for our iniquities. So he's wounded, external, for our transgressions, sin that's external. And he's bruised, internal, for iniquities, internal sin. Make sense? And Jesus paid the price for both. So point number one impurity affects our family and friendships and number 2 impurity will at some point affect your faith it will affect your your faith when god says to flee sexual morality there's there's a reason <laughs> there's a reason i remember fawn and i we were young youth pastors we get married and uh, we're taking a whole group of young people and some college agers and we're going over to the, go to this place in uh, eastern Washington called the Gorge Amphitheater. Some of you have heard some cool live albums probably from some of your favorite bands through the years. It's the most incredible spot to go watch a concert it's just beautiful it's amazing it's carved out of the the side of the mountain there and you overlook the Columbia River Gorge and the sun sets in the back where the start of the worship or worship set that evening and and so we're there and, and we're having a blast and there was a young couple that was dating uh, that was part of the church and they started setting up a tent and I thought oh that's cool he's helping her set up her tent <laughs> And then he he rolls out a sleeping bag, and I'm like, man, he is really serving her. He's setting up, he's setting up her, her sleeping bag and her pillow and everything. And then there was a second sleeping bag, and I thought, oh, maybe she brought a friend. <laughs> nope, she didn't. So talk about akka awkward. So I I have to go over there and I tell you know I have to tell him you know, hey, look, man, uh, you know I love you, and, and uh, you know this is a this is a gathering of young people, and and I'm the one that's overseeing this, and I I just can't have you do that. If you're going to be with our group, bro, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean this in, an, in a mean way. I'm not trying to come down on you, but I don't want to embarrass you, but we just, I don't want you to do this. And that was like a struck match to gasoline. That guy got so upset at me, furious. We're not kids, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's like, you know, and, some, and, and he just got irate. And so that, that ended not well. Um, <laughs> That was a good test for the young youth pastor. <laughs> Confrontation. <laughs> Every good leader will have to learn how to be confrontational. And so, uh, so I had a conversation. Now that couple, they did not end up getting married. Um, they ended up marrying somebody else. So that was good. But that moment really reminded me that, you know, a lot of people, they look at marriage as just a, it's a piece of paper. And somebody might say, well, what's the big deal if we're having sex? If we're going to get married at some point. What's, what is a piece of paper? We're, we're married in God's eyes. No, you're not. You're actually fornicating in God's eyes. The piece of paper doesn't mean anything, actually, if you don't have the blessing of God on it. God wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless your offspring. He wants to bless your business. But there's some things that we do And sometimes we don't even realize it because we fall into deception thinking that it's okay because the world has infiltrated the church. God says, I'm not going to be mocked, and I'm holy. And if you want the blessings that I have for you, there are certain things that I'm going to lay out in scriptures to show you obedience. And it's not because he wants to keep something from us. It's not like he's a prude. It's because there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way to live. You know how many, how many times I, I, I lived my life when I was going through my teen years before I became a dad and, 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 the, and the day after something an event would happen, you'd feel just sick. You'd feel shame. You'd feel like, man, I blew it. You know, you, God doesn't want you to have that feeling. He wants you to wake up and just feel good about the day he doesn't want you to feel shame. He doesn't want you that voice in the back of your head telling you how bad you are and this, that, and the other and hurting people along the way and hurting people's feelings along the way and having them feel used. He doesn't want that because God loves that person and he loves you. God wants to pour his spirit out upon you, but make, make no mistake, he will not be mocked. God is a holy God. So the reason, why does God say flee sexual immorality? Why is that such a big deal? It's the gateway drug, if you will, to so many other sins. If you're, uh, let me say it this way if you're sexually immoral, um, you gotta learn how to deceive. You gotta learn how to be deceptive. You gotta learn how to sneak around. Then you learn kind of how to manipulate to get what you want. Then you start to lie. Now, here's the sad thing. A lot of times that happens I've seen young couples go through this and this this message is for the single people as much as it is for the married people, okay? I've watched people go through this and they start their relationship on a rocky foundation and they're sneaking around and they're lying and they're doing this and it's deception and stuff and it's kind of fun and exciting and there's an appetite that was awakened There's endorphins that's literally happening. My good friend Tanya Paniagua and and Nicole Edgman sitting here in the front row. They could tell you all the neurological science of what happens when that's going on. I'm not gonna go there today. We'll leave that to the professionals. But it's 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 an appetite, an appetite for destruction that starts to starts to build. So they go, hey, I'm feeling this, you're feeling this, this has gotta be love. And and we confuse lust with love. And so they get married. And and then they're married. And, and the honeymoon phase starts to wear off. And then suddenly it's not so exciting. And so because maybe the man was into something or the woman was into something that was a little bit twisted, they begin, begin to bring some things into their marriage to spice it up. And it's not. And, and it goes awry. And then suddenly they feel like, well, it's, just not, it's not as fun anymore. I don't, I don't have that feeling. That, that appetite that was awakened when we're sneaking around and, you know, this kind of stuff, not, that's not around anymore. And so they go, well, we, maybe I married the wrong person. And that's a lie of the devil. And this really happens. And you know and I know many people in our lives that have fallen into that category. Well, maybe I just married the wrong person. So what happens? Like, uh, like Potiphar's wife, that, that longing gaze, that, that looking, that loving gaze that she gave to Joseph Suddenly, somebody catches his eye at the office. Suddenly, that barista's Starbucks seems a little bit nicer, puts a little heart on his cup with his name. Happens. That FedEx driver looks a little bit more handsome than that dude that's on sleeping in bed. And then suddenly, they start to engage with their eyes, then their thoughts, and it turns into a rabbit trail where then they start sneaking around. Ooh, exciting, fun. And then they begin to lie and deceive, and then something's awakened, and they're like, this person gets me. This is love. My wife and I, we lost it, so he divorces, divorces her, and he marries this one, wife number two, and so they get married, and things are good for a little while, and then what happens? It begins to wear off, and it doesn't feel so much spicy anymore, and so he's like, huh, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I married the wrong person, and then there's another person that comes along, and And the cycle begins all over again. And we've seen it. You've seen it. I've seen it. And how many know that when you have, the the reason God hates divorce isn't because he wants you to be miserable in marriage. That's not it. God hates divorce because he so loves the family. He so loves you. And if you've been divorced in this room, I don't want you to feel any condemnation, all right? If you've had sex outside of wedlock, I don't want to bring condemnation, but I do want to bring conviction. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction, not condemnation. Conviction is specific. The Holy, you'll, you'll know this. The Holy Spirit will be specific about a sin or a shortcoming in your life to correct you lovingly without anybody else knowing. He'll just kind of put his finger and say, hey, son, daughter, we need to change this. That's how the Holy Spirit works, the devil brings condemnation, says you're a loser, you're shame, you're disgusting, you're a pervert, all that. That's 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 the devil. Okay, generalization, huge same. Holy Spirit conviction, specific, loving, and it's all about raising you back up. Is that okay? All right. I know it's getting hot in this room. All right. And and we know that you know, certain people have different bends. I get it. A huge generalization. Men are a little bit more visual and um, sexually wired than a woman. Like, usually in a relationships, like when we do marriage seminars and such, you know, usually men are, you know, if they're honest, their rating is like number one or number two for sex. For a woman, it's like 13, you know, like after gardening. Okay, like, you know, it's like. <laughs> they, they, just have, they just have different levels of things that place importance on, right? But romance is a big one for women, right? A woman wants to be romance, she wants you to hear her heart. She longs for intimacy. Women in marriage, they would use sex as a way to get intimate with their husbands. Men use intimacy as a way to get to sex with their wives, right? There's that's that that's one of the big generalization differences between a man and a woman, and understanding that is important. So what do you do? What do you do if you fall in? You say Man, Jeff, we're married now, but bro, that was totally us. Like, we, we, we were rocking up to the campsite, sleeping together. We were sleeping around. We were doing all this stuff. But we're married now. What do we do? Well, you treat that like any other sin. You repent. I, I mean, you confess it and you repent. And, and, and the reason, even if you're married, the reason I encourage you to confess and repent it because you want to shut that door. You do not want any open door. You don't want that iniquity bent for your family and your kids. You want to shut that door. How do you shut that door? Repent, confess it. Just confess it openly with your spouse. I'm not saying you gotta broadcast it to the world, okay? And some of you in this room, if you're dating and you've fallen in that area, you confess it, call it what it is, sin is sin, and then get some accountability. I'm I'm talking to you today from a guy that's been healed of this. Okay, this is a place of victory in my life, but there were certain things, patterns in my life I had to break, okay? And, and, and the way that I did that was through great accountability and honesty, and I, w- I was honest. I sat with my pastor before he installed me as a youth pastor, and I told him everything. I shared everything, right? My wife, she, you know, I shared with her everything. There, there's a closeness there that's, that's with us, and there's a covering. There's accountability. I have software on my, my phone and my devices, so whatever gets searched, my wife gets a report on. It's just another barrier to not having me fall into temptation, so you, you confess it, you repent of it. So point number one, again, impurity affects your family. Point number two, impurity will affect your faith. Point number three, impurity affects your future. Just imagine if Joseph would have given in to that what kind of pattern he would have fallen into. Now, he was accused of getting into it, which later, I personally think that Potiphar probably knew his wife wasn't really being honest with him. He probably had an idea that she's cast longing gazes at other people before, that there was some discontent. One of the reasons I think that, and this is just me, um, some theologians would say that uh, when Joseph gets married, so when he becomes the second in command, the woman that he gets given as his wife is actually the daughter of, of Potiphar. Now, we don't know if it's that Potiphar or a different Potiphar at that time, but anyways, it's just something to think about. But imagine what Joseph went through. If he would have given into that, he could have totally collapsed his future of what God had for him. And, you know, I I can only imagine the voice of Satan speaking into him. Like, dude, your dreams that you had, gone, bro. Like, it's not happening. Your brothers hate you. They sold you. You spent time in a pit. You get sold into this house. You're a slave. You're always gonna be a slave. You're never gonna get free. You're never gonna have anything of your own. You're never gonna get married. I mean, just think of all the things. Like, you, your brother sold you and they threw you out of God's will. That wasn't God's will for you. Can I just make a public service announcement? The only person that can take you out of God's will is you. That's the only one. The only person that can take me out of the will that God has for me is Jeff Peterson. The only person that can take you out of God's will is you. So, again, I'm not saying that if you fall in that, that you've forever thwarted God's plan for your life. You can repent, turn to God. But I will say if you continue in a pattern of sexual immorality and purity, you will not fulfill God's plan for your life. It will catch up to you at some point. At some point, sin will be exposed. And God gives every person a chance to repent, right? He, he's holding back. He wants every person to repent. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory. And God's given you a number of times, number of times, number of times. And how many know you have to climb over the Holy Spirit to get to your sin? <laughs> right? A lot of times I find my knowledge exceeds my obedience especially when I'm driving and I see the red and blue lights flashing in my rearview mirror right <laughs> knowledge exceeds obedience so the prayer then is lord help me overcome so how do you how do you overcome how do you overcome sexual impurity how do you how do you pass the purity test you know god takes complex things and he makes it so simple so simple so i just want to share with you Something that my pastor had told me, and, and many men in this room, you've probably heard something like this. But how do you overcome, how do you pass the purity test? Let me tell you where impurity begins. A lot of people believe that it begins in the heart, right? That's what I used to believe. Oh, well, it begins in the heart and blah, blah, blah. No, it actually, it actually begins with the eyes. Remember Potiphar's wife? It says, longing gaze. Some people don't have a lusting problem as much as they have a looking problem. Lust is just what ends up happening when you look too much, (laughs) right? You look too long. I remember my pastor saying, Jeff, it's the second look that gets you. Well, that's great. Kind of didn't help me because then I would just take one long look, you know? You're going to notice beautiful people, all right? I, I, I'm not blind to the fact that Matthew McConaughey is a handsome dude, and my wife has seen him in movies, okay? I'm not blind to that fact. It's one thing to notice someone. It's another thing to look at someone, right? You got it? It's one thing to notice. It's another thing to look. So uh, point number four, impurity begins with the eyes. How do you do it? Don't look. It's, 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 really, it's really that simple. Don't look. Don't look. And sometimes it's hard because we live in a beach area in Southern California, which I love. I love going to the beach. I love going on, on my morning prayer walks. I love going in the ocean with my kids. I love going and swimming at the swimming pools and doing that kind of stuff. And we were at a pool last weekend after a, a, a Super Bowl party and we were hanging out. And uh, I'm going and I'm playing with the kids. And all of a sudden I, I see like this, you know, person making waves over here. And I look over and I mean, she wasn't wearing a swimsuit. It was like a piece of dental floss or something. And, you know, and it's just like, oh. So I'm like, okay, look away. Grab my boys, you know. And, hey, guys, we're going to go sit over here in the cabana, right? Like deflection, right? You're going to have to guard your eyes. I have a, a, a pastor. When I first got saved, there was a pastor in my life. And, uh, and he was so awesome. And he was a pastor in San Diego, uh, his name's Pat Markley, pastor pastored a great Assemblies of God church called Crossroads Assembly down there. He's a great teacher of the word. And he said, he said, Jeff, this was such a problem in my area, uh, in, an, my area of li- in an area of life for me. He said, I can't go to the beach in the summertime. He said, I just don't. I wait until all of the tourists are gone, especially all those European tourists that don't wear anything. Like, I wait till they're gone, and then I'll go enjoy my time at the beach, you know? And there's wisdom for that. It's like an alcoholic doesn't walk into a bar and just sit down and have a good time, right? I mean, you got, you know, there's wisdom. There's certain barriers. There's certain guardrails that you want to put into your life. And everybody's guardrail is different. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we love watching movies. I don't know if there's any movie buffs in the room. I really love watching a movie. Like, A Good Night to Me is my wife making her, like, famous popcorn. It's literally famous popcorn. It's the best popcorn you've ever had in your life with the coconut oil and the extra butter and the extra salt. And she she ruins it by putting brewer's yeast on it. I don't know where that came from, but she ruins it. She And Tabasco. Yeah, she puts Tabasco on... But I love getting, you know, having her make some homemade popcorn and then we'll sit down and watch a movie. I love that. But I don't watch movies that have nudity in them. It's just a personal conviction. I know there's some great movies and great TV shows out there. I'm totally cool not watching that movie. And then a few years ago, we found this great resource, resource called VidAngel. You could write that down if you're a movie buff and you just want to edit your movies. VidAngel, V-I-D, Angel vidangel and it enables you to connect your like amazon movie account and your netflix movie account and you can actually edit out stuff you can go through there and say hey we're going to edit out the f word we're going to take out all sex and nudity and it'll just boop and just like you fast forwarded that area of the movie it's a cool resource highly recommend it so it's it's a good one so you guys are like we got nothing else today but (laughs) from the message but (laughs) vidangel hey that's cool my work here is done (laughs) But it's a it's a really really great resource, and so so we do that in our lives, you know. And and I don't want to put my convictions on you because I don't want you putting your convictions on me. Everybody's got their own convictions, okay. All I'm doing is encouraging you when it comes to purity. Let's be people. Let's raise the standard, men. You raise the bar in your houses. You raise the bar. You know, I got uh, three beautiful daughters. One's married. The other two are here, and. Uh, my oldest daughter's 25. Then I have a 16-year-old and a, and a 14-year-old. And um, I just want—I just want you to think for a second. If—if if I'm, uh, let's say, there's a young man that comes to me and says, "Hey, pastor, I want to—I want to marry your daughter," and I know that this young man has massive sexual purity issues in his life. Am I, as a good dad that cares for my daughter, going to let that dude date her? <laughs> right. You'd think I'm crazy. You'd say, dude, what are you thinking? You're just letting her go out with that guy? He could be a great guy, nice guy, love, come to church. But some things that happen when we come to church and we're battling sexual immorality is we come with our hands raised and our hearts are covered. And because we've allowed that into our lives, then we start to get calloused and we get deceived into thinking that we're fooling God. (laughs) Dude, he ain't fooled, okay? And that greasy grace that you're holding on to is like, well, all of have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Jeff, so I'm just, it's my thing. No, 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 it's not just your thing, okay? God wants you to be pure. I had a, I had a friend of mine one time, he told me, he said, hey, you know, Jeff, I, I, I don't have a problem with lust, but, you know, what's the problem with looking, right? It's like, what's, what's the big deal? I'm just looking. It's, I'm not doing anything. I'm just admiring the beauty. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and that same dude was having issues in his marriage, which is why we were sitting there talking, and I'm like, bro, you're not just admiring the beauty, bro. Stop looking, right? And in your singleness, we got to guard our eyes because you're training yourself little by little that you don't realize how big it is. You're training yourself to look, and then you get married, and it's like, oh, gosh, I can't do that anymore. No, no, no. And, and it's a pattern that's in your life. I'm saying, yes, I don't know, some of you are single. You're like, how am I supposed to date anybody, man? I'm I Go, go enjoy your time. I'm, all I'm saying is be cautious with the lusting. Be cautious with the looking that leads to lust. Jesus backs me up on this. Let's go to Matthew 5 28. He says, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart, right? He's already done it. So the Pharisees had this thing going on where it's like, you know, hey, we can admire the beauty, but as long as we don't commit adultery, we're okay. Jesus says, Nope. No. You guys think just because you don't transgress that it doesn't affect you. He's saying, I'm saying your iniquities. You're already sinning. So Jesus gives us this model, and let's just kind of reverse engineer this for a moment. Whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery. If you don't want to commit adultery, don't allow lust to live in your heart. If you don't want lust to live in your heart, stop looking. (laughs) It's that simple. Married men, when you're driving down the road, and that woman's jogging. Don't look. Look away. Right? It's really that simple. If you, if you start to train yourself, you'll just bounce away. You'll just bounce away. And can I be honest, uh, nobody's going to be perfect in this area. But if you're married, I want to encourage you to be open with your spouse. Be open with your spouse. I remember Fawn and I were newly married and, and, and I'm married to the most amazing woman in the world. Fawn is really like she's my best friend. she's more beautiful inside than outside, but praise God, she's both. And, and so we're married and life is great and marriage is great and, and it's awesome. And I remember going into a um, like a Circle K minimart type of a thing and I'm grabbing I'm like literally there to get some gum on my way to work. And so I'm getting their gum and there was a certain magazine which I'm not going to mention. Um, that was known for having provocative women on the cover. And it's like right there, and there's where you pay. And it's like right there, okay? And so I, I'm up at the counter, and it's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Here's my card, you know? And you're just like, and then, and then I'm like, what am I doing? And then you just can't, it's like a train wreck, right, you know? So I leave. <laughs> I leave, confessions of a pastor. So I leave, and, and I'm, I'm feeling so convicted in that moment. I'm just feeling dirty. I'm just kind of feeling like, ugh, gosh, what, what, what do I do? Uh, uh, the things I don't want to do, I do, Lord, and the things I don't want to do, uh, uh, you know. So I'm having this moment, and the Holy Spirit says, call Fawn and tell her. I'm like, whatever. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you know, that is not the Lord. Clearly not the Lord. Like, what? So, you know, I argue with God and don't, I know you've never done this. I I know, I just you guys can. So I, I call Fawn. I'm like, hey, baby. She's like, great. How are you doing, honey? You? She was probably like, I'm praying for you this morning. How are you? you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, hey, yeah. Um, she's like, what's up? And I'm like, oh, God. you know. I said, hey, the reason I'm calling, this happened. I said, and I said, will you pray for me? And my wife like released all of heaven. I literally think like a million angels responded to my wife's prayer. And she's praying and she's casting and she's commanding and she's like warring. She's like She's like, "Oh, honey, I got this. Let me get my sword." So I encourage couples to be open with shortcomings. It's okay. And, and ladies, can I just beg you, please, if, you're, if your husband, if your fiancé, if they come to you and they share, hey, this is a bit of a shortcoming, and I'm only sharing this with you because Pastor Jeff said to share it with you. If, if, you're, if your man comes to you, can, can, you just, can you just be gracious with him? Can, can, you, can you realize it's, it's not a love problem? It's not because he doesn't love you. He does. Lust is not love. If lust was love, Potiphar's wife would not have left Joseph in the jail for 13 years. And it goes both ways. Women, if you have an issue and you come to your husband, husband, can you be gracious with her? Just be gracious with her. And come together and bring it into the light. Confess it, repent of it, and you're going to walk new. Amen. I want to end with a few scriptures. I'm going to have the worship team join me up front. I'm going to end with a few scriptures that I hope will empower you. And as we go through these, uh, you can take pictures of the screen if you want to or listen to this later on podcast or YouTube. But these are some great scriptures that I stand on. And I would encourage you to do the same if this is an area where you've maybe felt some shortcomings in that's been a little bit more difficult for you. I'm going to start with Psalms 101 verse 3. This is a good declaration. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. And the Holy Spirit will show you what that wicked thing is. He'll bring it to mind. I'm gonna set, I'm not gonna set that. I'm not gonna look at that. I'm not nope. I'm not gonna set anything wicked before my eyes. Job 31, verse 1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Ooh, that's a good one. Matthew 6:22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, man, how great is that darkness? Sometimes we have this picture in our mind that heaven's got a file cabinet and it's all your sins. (laughs) And this growing up, this is kind of what I thought. So I screw up and I go to confession and God brings out the file cabinet and he rolls out all the sins that I've ever done. And he goes, okay, why are you here? Oh, this again? Okay, let's go, let me go back. Okay, see, in 2008, I forgave that sin, but you asked me, you kept screwing up and it was 10 times in 2008, okay? And then you did it again in 2009, but it was less time, so good job. But then in 2012, it just picked back up. And then 2018, we had this and this and that. I mean, I'll do it again for you, Jeff, but can you just not do it again, please? Like, let's get this right. And we picture God like that. And he writes down the sin, and he puts it in the file cabinet. Can I just tell you, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. There's not, a, there's not a file cabinet. He, he like torches it. Like it's, it's gone. It's like if I had a whiteboard up here and we just went through and we just wrote all of our sins and then Jesus comes with his blood and he just says, nope, you've put your faith in me. I'm washing it all. It's off the screen. It's gone. It's gone. Isaiah 43, 25 says this, I... Even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, the Lord's sake, because the Lord loves you, <laughs> because he wants to be close with you. He says, I blot out your transgressions for my sake, and I will not remember your sins. You know, there's, there's a difference between forgetting. Some people say, well, well you know, I, I can forgive, but Jeff, it's really hard for me to forget what happened. And can I just tell you, the Lord's not asking you to forget. He's saying don't remember. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say the Lord forgets your sins. No, he chooses not to remember. Go look it up. Nowhere in scripture will you see that. It says he chooses not to remember. Some of you, you keep bringing stuff up from your past, and the Lord's like, I forgave that. Move on. Don't bring it up. Don't hold that, don't allow Satan to hold that over your head anymore, banging you on your head. Wives, don't bang it on your, don't do that to your husband. Husbands, don't do that to your wives. Move on. He says, I forgive you. I love you. I've forgiven your transgressions. He says, I've thrown it from the east and from, from the west. So what do we do? 1 John 1.9. Simple. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, who are called by my name, come on, Christians, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, right? Joseph, I will not do this wickedness, this wicked thing before God. If they will turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. He's gonna heal. If, if you've sown negative seeds, sinful seeds, God says, if you turn from me, I'm going to heal the land. I'm going to heal those areas that you sowed that seed into. Acts 3.19. So what do you do? Repent, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing will come from the Lord. There's times of refreshing. We're going to take communion in a minute. There's times of refreshing that's going to come. Some of you may be in this room and you felt a little bit bound by this. But the good news is Jesus paid the ultimate price and he wants to release you and give you freedom today. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sin is not gonna prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So when we take communion today, you just confess that sin, just quietly, just between you and God. God, forgive me of this. Forgive me of this sin then you renounce it. God, I renounce the sin. I renounce the addiction to pornography. I renounce the sexual impurity. I renounce that bent that I've had. I will not have it anymore. In Jesus' name. Jesus, you paid the ultimate price, so I'm, I'm aligning myself with you. Forgive me. Make me whole. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. Second Chronicles 30, verse 9. This is what's going to come. The Lord, your God, is gracious, and he's compassionate. He's not going to turn his face from you if you return to him. So we're going to sing this song. It's called Reckless Love. It's a beautiful love song, and I want you to receive it. Some of you, you're here today, and this is the first time you've ever heard something like this, and you're like, wow, man, this is a lot to take in. God's going to show you he's so faithful. He's going to show you what your next step is. Just ask him, Lord, what's the next step? What's the next thing I need to do? And respond. Simple obedience. So we're going to open up the front. We have communion on both sides. And this is just a chance for you to do business with God. And we'll sing this song together. And then at the conclusion, we'll dismiss. Parents can go get their kids and we'll have baptisms out. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at authenticoc.com.